We live in a time of tremendous opportunity for innovators, entrepreneurs, and those with skill and imagination. But it seems at every turn, there are forces that slow us down or get us off track. I believe you can trigger your independence and lead a flourishing life, be free to choose, and live according to your own values. Join us in a conversation about big ideas in life, liberty, and the pursuit of your happiness. Welcome to the John Riley Project. Hey everybody, how you doing? And welcome to the John Riley Project. It's episode 241. Got a great show in store for you. You know, this is a podcast all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We're going to talk about uh, Vice President Kamala Harris today and her remarks about immigration. That's going to lead us to a broader conversation about the immigration policy in America, which then leads to the worker shortage and which ultimately leads to how this all creates opportunities for you. So that's what we're going to be doing today, the episode 241 of the podcast. You know, we do this every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or just about every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at two. Sorry, I missed you a couple of days ago. I was just busy with my clients, uh, but I'm really happy I got an opportunity to join you here today. Because there's just a lot going on in the world. I enjoy sharing my thoughts and comments, but I invite you to share your thoughts and comments as well. We're live streaming on both YouTube and Facebook. That means you can type in your comments. I'll see them on my screen here. I'll read them on the air and we'll have a dialogue rather than just you listening to me um, on my soapbox. But um, I just I really want to get into this because I thought these remarks by Vice President Harris were remarkable. And, you know, I'm not talking about her discussion with NBC's Lester Holt, where she was, you know, being, you know, she was being, uh, you know, questioned if she had gone to the U.S.-Mexico border and she was making all kinds of excuses and making deflections and talking about how she hasn't gone to Europe yet either. I mean, she was either not in the right mental frame of mind or her team wasn't coaching her properly. Um, But, I mean, the remarks she made on about uh, immigration while she was in Guatemala were fascinating. And so I have the video here. I'm going to play it for you, and hopefully you can hear it on screen. So let me, um, let me go here and share my, my video. Um, oh, it's right here. So let's do hmm. – why am I not getting this on my share screen? Okay, so here we go. Here we go. Now it's working. Um, if, um, understanding the fine technologies of doing a live stream. Oh, here it is. Okay, so here's Kamala Harris. This is like a 30-second clip from the KUSI uh, video database. Um, here's Vice President Harris. It's right there. Are we hearing that on screen? Is it playing I'm not hearing it through my headphones. Now I'm thinking I might have made a mistake here setting this up. So let me abandon this whole thing here and let's just get back to me on the screen. And I think that'll be a little easier. 
I, I, I tested this before we started. It was working, and I, I guess I screwed something up. But at any rate, um, her remarks when she was in Guatemala were fascinating because she was basically she said straight up, "Do not come." Oh, Dennis, thank you for joining um, and sharing that you didn't hear the video. My my bad on that. I got to get this straight again. I thought I had it working before. Where I was testing before we started, but. You know, she said in her um, remarks in Guatemala, you know, to the people that lived in Guatemala, do not come. If you come to the United States-Mexico border, we will turn you away. And I mean, I was listening to this, and this is just remarkable commentary um, because of what she campaigned on when she was running for president. And there's this really great article here, and it's um, it's from Reason.com, and the headline is, Kamala Harris campaigned on a kinder, gentler migration policy. Now she's telling Guatemalans, do not come. And what was interesting is that during her campaign for president, um, Kamala Harris said, I disagree with any policy that would turn America's back on people who are fleeing harm. I frankly believe that it is contrary to everything that we have symbolically and actually that actually we stand for. So, yeah, during this is the part of the how politicians lie all the time. So. In this case, she was campaigning on making immigration more welcoming because obviously she wants to get more votes and she's not going to – if she has a hardline immigration rhetoric on the on the campaign trail, that's going to appeal mostly to the Republicans, to the conservatives, to the Trump people, all of which she has no uh, possibility of winning their vote. So she just shares you know, a, a different message of having a – easier path to immigration, easier path into the United States. But then when she's actually in office, I mean, she sounds like she's a, you know, a Trump, uh, a Trump fan. Um, and she's even now calling a border crossing illegal immigration, which, you know, that kind of rhetoric is something that progressives usually shun or disdain because they always say they're not illegal immigrants, they're undocumented workers, right? So she's embracing that hardcore anti-illegal immigration message and wants to, um, so you know, support criminal you know, uh, you know, essentially criminalizing those that are here in America. But more importantly, in this particular case, she wants to turn them away at the border. She wants to expel migrants who cross the border and send them back to Mexico. So, again, I, I was just blown away by this when I when I when I saw it on the news and I've been reading the articles about it. And one of the problems that we have in America is why are people coming here illegally? I mean, I think that's really the question we have to ask ourselves. Why are these people fleeing here? And really, what is this what is this nation all about? I mean, whatever happened to America as the shining city on the hill? I mean, we heard that from former President Ronald Reagan. Um, what about give us your poor and huddled masses? I mean, that's right there on the placard of the Statue of Liberty. It represented hope and opportunity and freedom for immigrants that came to America 100, 150 years ago. I mean, whatever happened to America is the land of freedom. You know, we, we, we drive down the road here in my hometown of Poway, California. It's one of our suburbs of San Diego. I'll go down the street here on Palmerado Road. I run into all the Trump protesters or Trump actually supporters. And they'll have, they'll usually have one guy with a, you know, freedom sign that he's waving to the crowd as the cars pass by. But then the, the guy next to him is, is uh, got a different sign that is 
slamming immigration into America. And you're thinking, what's going on here? You know, whatever happened to this America as the land of freedom? Whatever happened to America as the great melting pot? Um, but we have this not just rhetoric, but we now have policies that are turning people away from coming to America. Whatever happened to Inclusion, the message we hear from Democrats, from liberals, from progressives, from our friends on the left. What happened to inclusion when uh, Vice President Harris is in Guatemala and says, do not come. If you come to the Mexican United States border, we will turn you back. That's inclusion. I mean, her remarks are similar to President Trump, except without the mean tweets and maybe with her pants on (laughs) forward uh, facing rather than the pants that Trump was wearing at his last rally. I mean, what the hell was that? That was some kind of nonsense. But I mean, think about this. I mean, here and even here in San Diego, we've had we frequently will have migrants uh, coming to our beaches in San Diego on small boats, on fishing vessels. And we had one just a few weeks ago, a month or so ago that that hit the rocks off the coast of Point Loma, capsized. People were killed. People were hospitalized. People will go to great efforts to get into this country when we make it so darn difficult to get in. Um, and then in other cases, we have Mexican families or, or families from other, other nations, but they're taking their three-year-old children and dropping them on the other side of the wall along the southern border. So the more I think it's, it's kind of like whack-a-mole, right? The more you try to knock down all these cases of illegal immigration, they're just going to pop up in other areas. So it just makes me think that they've got their their whole outlook on this. And it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. The immigration policy for both of these parties has been, generally speaking, the same. I mean, there's been a few tweaks. I mean, Trump was certainly more hardcore about blocking illegal immigration. But a lot of that was rhetoric. You know, there wasn't – I mean, frankly, Obama deported more people than Trump did. But still, neither one of them have a – you know, a sound immigration policy, a consistent um, philosophical immigration policy. And they're always fighting amongst each other, the Republicans and Democrats. But in the end, they keep essentially um, presiding over more or less the same immigration policy. Um, And it's not working. And this all of this is evidence. I mean, the fact that there is a crisis at the border, that there are people backed up, there are people that are detained at the border. You know, we no longer have children in cages separated from their parents, but we now still have people that are detained, that are kept in these facilities and guarded by um, United States federal officers with guns that are being held at the border under a Democratic administration. It sounds a lot like what you would expect under Trump. But in many ways, these two parties are the same. So again, I welcome your thoughts and comments on this live stream. Please type them in on the comment section on both Facebook or YouTube. I'll read your questions and comments on the air, and we'll have a bit of a conversation. But so many of the problems that people are escaping from their nations, I mean, look at Guatemala. Why are people leaving Guatemala to make that that trek that come up in caravans to the United States border? Why are they leaving Guatemala? Well, it's because of the United States foreign policy 
like the war on drugs that creates all of this gang activity, this black market, this drug trafficking that results in violence and mayhem and murder in a lot of these countries in Central America. A lot of these families coming here are trying to just come here to find a better life for their children and for themselves to escape a lot of this violence, which, again, is largely created by our own policies that are established by the federal government. So, again, we we create the problem and then we double down on the problem. We create the problem with the war on drugs and all the the um, uh, and enabling, essentially enabling the cartels south of the border. I mean, if drugs were legalized, the cartels would be out of business. Gangs realized that in the 1920s when all the moonshiners were essentially put out of business when alcohol prohibition was lifted. And what happened then? Violence went down. Gun deaths went down because it was now legally purchased. But they don't they haven't learned the lesson when it comes to drugs. And now with by keeping it illegal, what they're doing is they are. By keeping it illegal, they are enabling the cartel, empowering the cartel, which results in more violence, more mayhem in Guatemala, which then sends more people back up to our border and creates more of a problem at our border. So the rhetoric we hear from these two parties, Republicans, Democrats, not that big of a difference um, when it comes to the actual reality of how they implement those policies. So. I know in, in many ways, I think we just need to ask ourselves as, as a nation, what does America really represent? I mean, do we do we still represent what was put in the preamble of our Declaration of Independence that we are all created equal and we have inalienable rights of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness? Is this a nation that really welcomes immigrants? We used to be. We used to celebrate it. That it was it was what made America special. I mean, back when we embraced immigration, people from all over the world flocked to America. I'm talking about the time between the Civil War and World War One, a time when there was tremendous opportunity. People were fleeing persecution and poverty in nations in Europe and in Asia and throughout other parts of the world. And they came to America and they prospered. And guess what? America prospered as a result. Immigration is a really good thing. But yet we have this these policies that disrupt what's happening south of the border and cause a lot of this this flow of illegal immigration to the United States. And then rather than having a proper immigration policy, they try to play whack-a-mole and knock down all the illegal immigration cases. And that just isn't working. It's failing. So when Vice President Harris goes down to Guatemala, she shouldn't be saying, do not come. She should be talking to Guatemala and asking, why is everyone leaving? And how can we help you, you know, essentially allow your nation to be more safe, more secure, more peaceful? That's the kind of discussion and dialogue that should happen. So, I mean, the whole thing is just nonsense to me. I mean, what, what we witnessed from Vice President Harris. Now, as you can probably tell, um, I am a, a big supporter of allowing more immigrants into America. I mean, I'm, I'm of the opinion we need to make immigration easier, faster and cheaper. We need to deregulate 
the immigration process and just make it so it's a smoother running operation. I mean, why? You might think, why? We can't let all these people into the United States. Who's going to support them? And, you know, all this. But, you know, they, they come here to work. I mean, sure, there are some exceptions, but they're coming here to f- discover a better life. I mean, first of all, they have the same inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as we do. Those aren't just for Americans. Those aren't just for white people. Our inalienable rights, our individual rights, our natural rights are for every human. We all have a right to our own life, to manage our life. We all have liberty, the freedom to choose. And we all have the right to essentially live our life according to our own values, to pursue our happiness. I have those same rights. You have those same rights. And so does that family in Guatemala, who, by the way, in their own country, those rights are being oppressed. I mean, in America, our rights, those rights are being oppressed in many ways, too. But still, those rights exist. They have those same inalienable rights, too. I often say the other guy has rights, too. I mean, you'll see people say, well, this is about freedom and America and rights. But they forget that the other guy has rights, too. Um, Why else should we be making immigration easier, faster, cheaper? We need the workers, there's a worker shortage if you haven't paid attention. It's in this it's been exasperated since we've been kind of on the downslope of this COVID pandemic. But this there's been a worker shortage that has been going on for years, especially for skilled labor. And in many cases, there are more job openings than there are people that are on unemployment. I mean that those those ratios may vary, but we need these workers. So why in the hell are we blocking them from coming to America? Why are they locking them up and detaining them in facilities um, along the U.S.-Mexico border? And then, you know what? More immigrants is good for our economy. That's more people buying goods and services. That's more um, people producing value for others, people that are working, producing, having good production abilities. I mean, when these workers come to America to work, that's a good thing. It's, it's good for our economy. And really, our economy, I mean, with the, with the exception of this pandemic and coming out of the pandemic, everything's so distorted because government shut everything down. Now they're opening it up. And there, there's so many bizarre um, yeah, distortions in the economy right now. But t- t- taking this pandemic aside, if you go backwards in time, When was the last time the U.S. economy had an annual GDP growth rate over 6%? I mean, you'd have to go back, I think, into Ronald Reagan's first term. It's been over, it's been around 40 years. I mean, for the most part, you look at our economic growth in America, and it's like 1.5%, 2%, maybe 3% a year, but usually 2.5%. It's just really anemic. And even when Trump was touting that we have the greatest economy in American history, still, the GDP growth rate was around 2%. You know, that's not much. But how does what fuels economic growth? I mean, obviously, increasing productivity is helpful. More people working is helpful. But just simply having more people in the nation gives the the nation the opportunity to grow more and to create more economic opportunity, not just for those workers coming here, but for all of us. 
as they spend and grow and prosper in the United States. Again, that's what's happened throughout the whole course of American history. I mean, that's it's just a fact. It's a historical fact that immigrants are great for our economy. And you know what? It's their life. I mean, it's like they have an inalienable right to their own life. Why shouldn't they be able to come to America and and pursue their happiness and seek opportunity for their family? I mean, after all, my ancestors did that. I mean, my ancestors came here in the latter part of the 19th century. They came from Southern Ireland. Um, many of them flocked to you know New York City and then worked their way to Butte, Montana, where they worked in the copper mines. And then, then they made their way to San Francisco. Um, so I, I mean, my history is uh, my lineage, my ancestors, they came to America seeking opportunity and they filled jobs, jobs that were in need. So why doesn't that apply now to the same immigrants that are coming here? And yeah, so, you know, again, that, that time between the, the, you know, the Civil War and World War I is just a remarkable time in American history. It seems like we forgot what that what what we accomplished as a nation i say we i mean i wasn't born obviously but what america accomplished as a nation was just amazing america went from being this kind of mercantile sort of agrian economy um and became a world power in terms of manufacturing in terms of economic power in terms of innovation i mean planes trains automobiles telephone telegraph i mean if we weren't inventing it in America, we were certainly capitalizing it and and providing that to the masses in America at a very accelerated rate, increasing the standard of living of the ordinary person in America. I mean, it's just a fabulous time. And a lot of it was fueled by immigrants that came here from Eastern Europe and Germany and Italy and Ireland and China and a lot of other parts around the world. So why... Are we abandoning that right now? I just, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, if we made Im- legal immigration faster, easier, cheaper, then there would be less illegals. <laughs> the, the illegal immigration problem would be greatly diminished. There wouldn't be people risking their lives coming across the border on fishing vessels or digging tunnels underneath the wall or taking any sorts of additional you know, risky behavior, walking over the mountains in, in the, the heat of the desert in, or the heat of the summer. I mean, there would be a lot less problems if we just simply made immigration easier so people could come here legally and it's not and we're not bottlenecking the system. Now, I know some people will say also, well, what we really need to do in America is we need to have, you know, this this process where the employers are the ones that are responsible for doing the checks on, on legal status, essentially making employers an extension of the immigration and naturalization service or of what's the other one ice. I mean, there's so many different agencies that are involved in border management and immigration, but to me, that always struck me as just wrong. I mean, business people shouldn't be burdened with essentially becoming a regulatory arm of the federal government. I mean, businesses should just be able to hire people as they see fit and employ people and and prosper, both the business and the employee prosper. Um, 
So again, the whole strategy about how this nation manages immigration is just nuts. So now we've got this worker shortage, right? So we've been hearing about this on the news, and there's a lot of reasons for the worker shortage. I got a comment here from Mike Polite on the live stream. He says, illegal immigration is only a problem because of the immigration part. (laughs) In some people's minds, immigration should be illegal as a whole. Immigration or the welcoming of others means fewer resources or opportunities for those who are already here. That's the idea anyways. Well, yeah, some people do think that way. They do. You know, sometimes you'll hear the rhetoric from our conservative friends, our friends on the right, our MAGA friends. They'll say, well, I support legal immigration. Just I don't want illegal immigration. But then what does Trump do? Trump revokes the visas of workers that are here legally and sends them back to their country. Trump also revoked the visas of students that were here in America legally and sent them packing. You know, it's when people see America as having only a certain amount of resources, we can't let more people in because it's going to take away from them. That's the fixed sum um, mentality. I mean, right now, America has so much opportunity, so much open space. In the, in the United States, so much economic opportunity. If, if an immigrant comes across the border, it's not stealing from you or me. Not at all. Um, but some people still have that mentality. And I, you know, I'm ranting a bit, but I, I just think it's inaccurate. I mean, in many ways, they, are, they come here and they, immigrants typically fill the jobs that a lot of multi-generational Americans don't want to take. I mean, look at my lineage. I'm Irish. When the Irish came to America in the 1800s, they were kind of at the bottom rung of the ladder. I mean, they were, you know, probably one step above slavery in many cases. Um, But they hustled, they worked, and they took on, like my family took on jobs in, in a copper mine. I mean, talk about work that's, you know, not attractive, But they played a role that that copper that was mined helped enable the, um, you know, essentially electric power delivery to homes. That copper they created helped um, build the telegraph and telephone networks throughout the United States. The jobs that they took were good for America and good for them. And by the way, they were jobs that most Americans didn't want in the first place. So and the same rule applies today. With immigrants coming here. I mean, so there is a worker shortage. And let me get to this because we've been hearing a lot of talk about this worker shortage and in relation to the pandemic. And there's a lot of reasons why there's a worker shortage, but the worker shortage is legit. I mean, you walk around and you go to businesses, restaurants, retail stores, there's always help wanted signs. I've been seeing how Companies are offering hiring bonuses. Um, Companies are offering free food. Companies are increasing pay to attract more workers, which is a good thing for workers, right? But companies are struggling in many cases where now the demand is coming back. People want to buy from these companies, but they don't have the manpower to be able to serve their customers properly. And it's, again, creating all these crazy distortions in the market. That's one reason, by the way, that lumber is so damn expensive in America is because of this. 
there's not enough people to work in the lumber mills because a lot of them got shut down because of the pandemic. And I mean, now there's they're trying to reopen and they can't find the workers. I mean, there's a countless cases of this, but there I, I've, I've identified there's four reasons why there's a worker shortage. One, there's a, an incentive problem, right, that you have workers that are incentivized to stay home. They're not only collecting unemployment, but they've been getting these additional packages of unemployment. And I know some of them are starting to taper off now. But in many cases, people were getting paid more than their previous job just to stay home. I mean, it's incredible. Now, you might say, well, that's because the job wages were too low. And we can debate that. But as long as the incentive structure is set up where people are in many ways incentivized to sit at home on the couch and just chill and they make more money than they did in their old job. That's an incentive problem. I mean, that's one big reason for the worker shortage. Another reason is, is that we've got workers that can come to America that want to come to America, but they're blocked at the border. Whether they're detained and in these um, facilities or in other cases, the, the bureaucracy of legally coming to America takes so damn long and is so difficult. That's why they ended up hiring these coyotes to help them come across the border at great risk to themselves. But if they just made it easier for these immigrants to come to America, they would happily fill a lot of these jobs. I mean, especially, I mean, in the restaurant industry, where you typically see a lot of immigrant workers in the first place. I mean, the restaurant industry is one of the ones that's most desperate for people. And after all, don't we all want fully staffed restaurants so we can go get a good meal, <laughs> especially coming after the a pandemic when we've been locked up in our homes or we haven't been able to fully experience a fine dining or a family dining situation because they were either shut down or they only allowed outside eating and then that got shut down, then it got open, then it got shut down again, then it got open again. Or maybe they were just only offering takeout. We, I mean, if we want to go back to normal, we want to have a fully staffed restaurant industry. And we've got all these immigrant workers that want to come here, but they're blocked at the border. Um, there's also cases where, yeah, in many cases, businesses are prohibited from hiring workers. In many, in many cases, like, for example, like it, we just talked about how employers are now like an extension, a regulatory arm of the government by doing all the background checks and all of the documentation checks to hire to hire people. I mean, imagine if those those regulations were lifted, then illegal immigrants that are here in America now could go to work. And be paid for their work. That's good for the immigrant. That's good for the customers of that company. That's good for America. I mean, frankly, for a lot of the illegal immigrants that are here in the United States now, just give them a damn form that they can fill out so they can become legal. <laughs> it shouldn't be hard to do this. Um, but then I will say this, and this is one of the great parts of the story of the wor of the worker shortage. There are a lot of workers that have kind of did some deep thinking, had a come to Jesus moment. And they said, you know what? I don't want to keep working that crappy job anymore that only paid me minimum wage. Or I don't want to work as a bartender or in the restaurant industry, making minimum wage and tips and having to work weekends and late nights and dealing with drunk people. I just want a nine to five, you know, Monday through Friday job. I want my weekends back. 
I want my evenings back so I can have quality time with my family so I can get on a career path where I can begin to make more and more money and develop more uh, better skills rather than being, you know, essentially a, a waiter or a bartender for 20 or 30 years. You know, people are like reassessing their career. And a lot of people have abandoned jobs in the hospitality industry and gone to work in many cases, like for Amazon, working in distribution warehouses and, you know, good on them. I mean, they're making more money. They're building a career. They're, um, they're, you know, essentially uh, learning new skills. And hopefully they can turn their life into something that's even more prosperous than it used to be. But when you add all that up, they mean the incentive to stay home because of the government handouts, the workers that are blocked at the border. You've got cases where it's criminal for businesses to hire certain people. And then on top of that, you know, you have people that are reassessing their career and making strategic changes. You add it all up. And yeah, there's a worker shortage. But so much of this is caused by the policies from our government. I mean, it, it, and what's interesting is look at the jobs that are really in dire need. And I, here's a list of the top careers with worker shortages. And there's 10 of them. I'll list them here. One of them is high-skilled medical, like nurses, doctors, specialists. But, you know, they've always had a shortage. My wife often comments, because if you're, if you're a young person and you're not sure what career to go into, consider health care. In fact, consider nursing. Nurses are never, ever, ever going to have trouble finding work. There's constantly a need for nurses. And especially if you look at healthcare in general, as we get older, as the baby boomers get older, there's going to be more and more people that are going to be in hospitals or going to need health care. I mean, so, yeah, there's a, there's a shortage of, of health care workers. And by the way, a lot of health care workers are immigrants to the United States. But in some cases, you know, Trump was removing H-1B visas. I don't know if he was necessarily removing them in the healthcare industry. It might have been more in the in the engineering um, industry. But still, um, you know, there's there's a shortage of talent, no doubt, in medical Um, scientists and mathematicians. Yeah, for sure. We need a lot more smart people in America. But again, these, these are a lot of the immigrants that come here to the United States to go to college that study science and math, that's actually study the STEM fields, science, technology, engineering, and math, what they end up doing, if Trump hadn't already revoked their visa and they went home, a lot of times we educate them here in America, a lot of times subsidized by taxpayers. And then when they graduate, what do we do? We send them back. We should be retaining that talent in America. Retaining that talent to help make America better, stronger, make our economy better. And frankly, frankly, make, make it so that they can experience the same American dream that so many other immigrants have here in America. What else? Skilled trades. Oh, my God. So like electricians, carpenters, machinists, mechanics, welders, plumbers. There's a ton of shortage there. I could tell you here at my home. We have a, a, I live on almost two acres and probably half of our property is fenced and it's a metal fence that goes like kind of around the outside of our house. And on one side of that fence, it collapsed. And part of it was from erosion and rust. In other cases, our neighbor's trees grew and kind of pushed against the fence. So we needed a new fence. Yeah, how hard it is to get a new fence how hard it is just to get someone to come out and give you an estimate over a month 
just to get an estimate. And then if you say, yes, you want to get it done, you're not scheduled for like two months out. In other cases, people have to wait much longer. We have another case in our backyard where we have this like pond feature where there's like these two ponds and one's a little higher than the other. And there's a pump and it pumps the water up and it kind of trickles down like a little babbling brook, if you will, in our backyard. It's just a water feature. And our top pond has a leak. And it's so damn hard to find someone that can come out here and fix it. I mean, I've been going back and forth with this one guy um, for over a year, and then they eventually abandoned the project. Then I had to find someone else to try to fix it, and you know, he's just unavailable. I mean, if I'm gonna, I may end up having to actually rebuild the whole damn thing, which is going to cost a fortune, when all I want to do is just get it repaired. So Mike Polite on the live stream. Um, John, what's the difference between an illegal immigrant and an undocumented worker? Nothing except how the person who says it feels about immigration. Mike, you're absolutely right. You know, it's funny, Mike. I noticed that you chimed in on Facebook in the live stream, and now you're coming in through the YouTube channel. So thanks for kind of watching on both of those. Yeah, you know, it, 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 there's political rhetoric, you know, and we could say there's racism or bigotry. But damn it. I mean, we're all from all of us. Our families have come here. As immigrants, I mean, even the Native Americans ancestors are immigrants. I mean, they came from Asia. They crossed over the Bering. What is it? The Bering Strait Bridge land bridge that used to exist a long time ago. Um, Again, this whole mindset of being anti-illegal immigration or anti-immigration in general blows my mind. But the whole illegal immigration to me, we just need to make it easier faster, easier, cheaper to allow immigrants to come here legally. And then we don't have any illegal problem or it's greatly, it's greatly minimized. Um, So yeah, so skilled trades, huge demand for that right now. I mean, massive demand. And guess what? A lot of immigrants are skilled tradesmen. They they either learned it in their home country or they come to America and they learn it as, you know, here in the United States by going to work for businesses. Um, What else? Engineering and architecture. Again, some more STEM fields. Big shortage there. Um, Opportunity to work for Vandalay Industries and George Costanza as an architect. Um, IT specialists, IT analysts, software developers, programmers, database administrators, that whole IT field, huge demand. Huge demand. Now, obviously, a lot of these cases, people don't have the skills, right? Which is a whole other angle to this, which we'll get to. But my God, I mean, there's, there's a worker shortage, no doubt about it. And a lot of it is created by the policies of our government. Um, high-skilled technicians, such as health, telecommunications, environmental technicians, I mean, essentially people that can fix stuff. There's a shortage of them. There's a shortage here on this list, it's kind of funny, of executives, really? <laughs> That's something. Now, well, certainly there's a shortage of good executives. I think we can all agree on that. Um, a shortage of transportation, particularly drivers. And yeah, that's been a big deal. Um, trucking companies are desperate for workers, for drivers. And, you know, you can probably look in your crystal ball and say, well, that career may only exist for maybe another 10, 20 years until the Andrew Yang prediction of driverless um, semi-truck drivers is going to become a reality. That may happen sooner than that. I believe that's going to happen. But in the short term, there's a desperate need for those workers. In fact, that's another reason why lumber is so expensive. 
And it's also another reason why gasoline prices have gone up. And that's a whole other complex mess. But that, because there's not enough drivers to drive the tanker trucks, because they need a specialized license to do that. Um, so, yeah, there's a legit shortage of drivers in the transportation industry. Mike Ryan joined on the live stream. Roar the heart of the lion. Mike Polite says, I can't find workers to do any of the work at my house right now. Trees need a new balcony, roofing. It's crazy. Yeah, it's really hard to get those kind of workers to come to your house. I mean, for, for big home improvement projects. I mean, a lot of it's because of the pandemic. The home improvement industry has just exploded. People are home looking at their old kitchen and saying, we got to remodel that. Um, but yeah, and then it's exasperated by a shortage of workers. What else? Construction workers and extraction workers, like in mining, we've talked about that. And then finally, community and social workers, such as counselors, therapists, and social workers. So, so many fields, so many industries where there is a huge shortage. Mike Ryan on the live stream saying, we have issues with workers all over. And I remember, you know, Mike works in the grocery industry. And I remember, I think you told me, Mike, you're having a hard time, not just hiring people, you're having a hard time getting people to interview or they schedule the interview and they flake out and don't show up. But again, it's a lot of this is just an incentive problem. A lot of it is because of the limits that are placed on the flow of workers, the flow of immigrants. And you know what? Another part of the problem is, is that oftentimes there's a, an unwillingness of people to move to where the jobs were. That used to be a thing, you know, rolling back the clock in American history. If, if suddenly, you know, the aerospace industry blossomed in the, in the Los Angeles area, people moved to L.A. to work in the aerospace industry. Engineers did that. But now... There are workers, especially workers in the the Rust Belt in Ohio that saw a lot of their jobs leave that area because, you know, they're the ones that were outsourced. We see a lot of those jobs go to Asia. They stay in the Rust Belt. They don't want to move. They want the jobs to come back to them rather than them going out and seeking the jobs where they exist in America. So that's another part of the dynamic. But it's just it's incredible. Um you know, and, and all of this, you th again, you go back to the immigration policy and you say, this is stupid. Our immigration policy, we have this desperate need for workers and we're not allowing workers to come into America or at, not to the degree that we need. Mike Polite says, YouTube Premium makes it so I can turn the screen off and keep listening. Okay, Mike, well, good for you. Um, so what does this mean for you? Okay, if you're a homeowner like Mike and I, and we want to fix our roof, I got to fix a fence, I got to fix an outdoor pond. It's it's a bitch. It's hard. But now, put on your thinking cap and say, "Hey, this creates an opportunity for entrepreneurs, right? If if it's hard to, it's hard for me to hire a company to put in a fence in my backyard. Imagine a young person in their twenties start up a fencing company." If for nothing else, you could start up a company just as of yourself and do the work yourself and you could charge a lot of money because of the way the supply demand curve is right now because of the desperate need for workers and the desperation of homeowners to have these services. I mean, putting up a fence requires some skill, but it's not rocket science. 
you know, a, a young person could probably work for a short period of time um, with, in, with a fencing company. I mean, just using fencing as an example, learn the skill, learn the trade. And then after a period of time, just go and set up their own shop. And now suddenly they're no longer working for the man. They're working for themselves. Now, suddenly they're not making 15, 16 bucks an hour. They're making eight to $10,000 in revenue off a big project which then they'll pay for the materials, pay for the labor, and then put the rest of it in their pocket. End result, they're going to be making, you know, hundreds of dollars an hour if they learn and play it right. So it's kind of like, you know, um, what was that guy's name? Littlefinger in Game of Thrones, you know, um, he liked chaos, you know, because wherever there's chaos, there's opportunity. Same thing is true here. This worker shortage creates great opportunity for people that have the hustle mindset. So, and then even if maybe you'd like thinking, well, I don't want to learn a new skill or new trade. Imagine instead, let's say you're a software developer and you're working for a company and maybe you like your career, but there's such a desperate need for software development. Why not start up your own company and then offer your services to other, other people? Um, and, and, and you can do that simply in the form of being a 1099 worker, you know, consultants typically get, two, three times the hourly rate as a regular worker, sometimes even more than that. Um, or you could set up shop and then bid out on these contracts. And now suddenly you're in business for yourself. When there's such a desperate need for talent in certain categories, if you already have a skill in that category, then by all means, man, this is a great chance for you to set up your own business and now you are the entrepreneur. Now you are the capitalist. Now you define how much you earn. And now you have greater control over your work-life balance. Now you can experience freedom. Now you can set the terms of the kind of work you want to do and the people you want to work with. Now you are in control. So this, this situation, this worker shortage if you have the right mindset, it's a huge opportunity to go out and, and target certain industries to build skills. Because, again, you know, if you're a young person, you know, not everyone wants to go to college or really should go to college. But I'll tell you what, if if you're on the fence about going to college, but you're a hustler, this was this is a golden opportunity. Go out, learn a skill. Be an employee for a company for a short period of time, build the skills. And by the way, you could probably get pretty good paid uh, because of the worker shortage. You get paid relatively well as an employee. And then when the time is right, you know, abandon ship, set up your own shop. And it's so easy to start up your own business now. You can build a website, easy to market online, um, easy to, to get started, easy to create lead generation systems, easy to direct traffic to your website because there's such a desperate need for this kind of talent. I mean, I go into some of these Facebook groups in my hometown of Poway, Poway neighbors, Poway community and neighbors, people constantly looking for skilled talent to help them on home improvement projects. It's all over the place. But in so many other areas, I mean, there's just a huge worker shortage. And I, and I take advantage of that myself. I, I own a business. I own a marketing agency. And for some of my clients, I work on a contractual basis and I get paid per hour because they can't find good enough talent to hire. So they, they hire me and I come in and I get paid at a premium wage. 
but I get the job done. I'm experienced. I got the skills. I get it done fast. It's frankly, they're better off for it. And they don't have the overhead of having an employee on the books and the head count. And, you know, the, the bean counters are always paying attention to that. They don't have to pay me any benefits. I take care of that. I pay my own taxes. But in the end, I come out way ahead. Great opportunities for people that have the right mindset to capitalize on the changing economy, to find opportunity amongst the chaos. So, yeah, when you hear a worker shortage, I mean, people's lights in their, in, in, in their mind should be blinking and saying, look here, look here. This is a chance to make some money in an honest, ethical way. Helping people get what they need. It's a good thing. Um, okay, what else? Um, just a quick shout out. I just want to say thank you very much to uh, Charlie Sellers. Uh, Charlie and I went to the Padre game last Friday, had a great time. And in fact, if you look over my right shoulder, I've got a new bobblehead that Charlie gave me. I guess this is one of his earlier games when he went to see the Padre. So it's, I have two Trevor Hoffman bobbleheads now up on my shelf over my right shoulder. Uh, Charlie and I had a great conversation. I mean, we talked, I mean, throughout the whole, uh, the whole time. It was wonderful. And, you know, he's a former school board member at Poway Unified. And boy, did he have stories to share. And, you know, I'm not at liberty to share them with you. But, whoo, some of the stuff he was telling me about, unbelievable. Um, you know, just the people and the, um, the goings-on behind the curtain at Poway Unified is Pretty amazing. Um, but Charlie, is he's got no shortage of opinions and thoughts and ideas. So again, thanks very much, Charlie Sellers, uh, for inviting me to the Padre game. We had a great time and hope to do it again. Okay. Um, again, I welcome your thoughts and comments. Join me on social media. You can go to my website, johnreillyproject.com, or just go to the, the little shortcut website I created. It's called connectwithjohnny.com connectwithjohnny.com there you'll see all my links to all the social media platforms I'm on let's continue the conversation there or if you want to take advantage of some of the audio only podcast platforms you know we're not just doing video we do this audio only on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Stitcher Spotify Pandora iHeartRadio I mean every podcast platform is on, uh, we're on it so there you can see links to all those podcast channels, and then you can sign up for our mailing list. And I welcome you to connectwithjohnny.com, and we'll continue the conversation offline. And I have two quotes for you. And um, I'll warn you, these are quotes from politicians. One is a Republican, and one is a Democrat. And they were both former presidents of the United States. And so... And I'll, I'm going to give a warning here. This is the rhetoric. Okay. This is the message. This is the, a good message. But the policy, the reality of it is very different. First quote is from President George H.W. Bush. So he was our, what, 41st president, I think. Yeah, 41st. And he says, nearly all Americans have ancestors who braved the oceans, liberty-loving risk-takers in search of an ideal, the largest voluntary migrations in recorded history. Immigration is not just a link to America's past. It's also a bridge to America's future. That's great. What a, and he's right. I mean, really, if you go back in the 80s and 90s, Republicans were generally a lot more welcoming of immigrants. I mean, things began to change in the 90s. Uh, but that's a wonderful quote from uh, George Bush Sr., right? 
H.W. Um, and here's another quote, and this one is from a Democrat, and it's from President William Jefferson Clinton, Bill Clinton. And he said, more than any other nations on earth, America has constantly drawn strength and spirit from wave after wave of immigrants. In each generation, they have proved to be the most restless, the most adventurous, the most innovative, the, the most industrious of people. Bearing different memories, honoring different heritages, they have strengthened our economy enriched our culture, renewed our promise of freedom and opportunity for all. Bill Clinton. And now granted, these guys have great speech writers, but the me- isn't that message great? I mean, immigration is something we should warmly embrace. So when Vice President Kamala Harris goes down to Guatemala and says, do not come, do not come to the U.S.-Mexico southern border, Because if you do, we will turn you away. And meanwhile, we have a Statue of Liberty that says, give us your poor and huddled masses. We claim to be a land that supports freedom. And yet we turn these people away while we have a worker shortage. Okay, if you're an entrepreneur, maybe you like that they're being denied um, because it creates more opportunity for you. But still, there's a worker shortage. So th- this whole thing is just nonsense. You know, and then, of course, Lester Holt was grilling Kamala Harris, asking her if she had been to the U.S.-Mexico border. And that was an embarrassment on her part. It's interesting, Kamala Harris, as a politician, you know, she she checked all the right boxes for um Joe Biden, didn't she? I mean, really, any vice presidential choice is usually a strategic choice. They bring certain states, certain constituencies, certain balance to the ticket. And that doesn't necessarily mean the vice president is, you know, a good candidate. Kamala Harris was not a good candidate. She was one of the first major candidates to step down from the presidential race. But a lot of things happened in 2020. And in 2019, right, we had the Me Too movement, which encouraged Joe Biden to want to have a female vice president. Okay, good on you. And then we had the Black Lives Matter uh, issue and George Floyd and all the protests. And Kamala Harris just happened to be a woman of color. So she checked all the right boxes. But I think what we see from her is that in a lot of ways, she's not really fully prepared. Um, yeah, yeah, but she checked the boxes. So hopefully she learns from it. Hopefully her staff has her better prepared for interviews. Um, the nervous laughter with Lester Holt was something. Mike Ryan says, both very good quotes. Thanks, Mike. And he says, we can't just let people cross the border. Yeah, well, I'm not saying that you just, you know, let them cross the border like you cross the border to go from California to Nevada. I don't mean it like that. Although philosophically, that's what I mean. <laughs> but legally and practically, a reasonable approach is just to make the legal immigration process easier, faster, cheaper. I mean, it worked at Ellis Island, right? Now, granted, they had to detain people for a short time if there was a disease or something like that. But as a, for the most part, people came off these ships from Europe. They went through a processing facility at Ellis Island and they got through. 
and they crossed the border into America. They made the system easier, cheaper, faster. Now, Grant, actually, before that, it was just, you know, the wild, wild west. But I think we, we don't, I mean, it's ridiculous that there's a, a so-called line to get in. You know, people say, get to the back of the line. Well, why is there a line to get into a nation that supports liberty, that supports freedom? If anything, the line should move fast. So if people that want to come here can come here. And after all, we need them and they need us. And they're escaping persecution and oppression and poverty in the nations where they live, just like our ancestors did. And after all, don't they also have the same inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that you do and I do? So come on, people. Come on, Democrats. Come on, Republicans. Fix this immigration system and get it right. Okay. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I mean, if you haven't liked this episode or give it us a thumbs up, I appreciate if you could do that. I'm not desperate for the likes, you know, I'm not begging you to like me, but I'm, you know, likes are helpful, kind of the algorithm, more people support the, the, the podcast. That's good for the podcast. Helps us grow our audience. If you can give us a thumbs up, I'd appreciate it. Uh, Mike Ryan says immigrant workers are essential. Immigration period is essential we have to do a better job with immigration. Yeah, we have to do a better job. And the Republicans and Democrats have had this weird, bizarre, fake fight over this. You know, the Republicans say we got to secure the border and then we'll reform the, the immigration process. And the Democrats are saying, let's just reform the immigration process. So they they don't solve the problem. And frankly, it works out in their favor, right? When they're on the campaign trail, the Republicans can talk tough on immigration. The Democrats can talk more kinder, gentler, more welcoming, gives them a differentiating message. But when they're in power, they more or less enact the same immigration policy. So again, these, these two parties are far more similar than they are different. And the rhetoric on the campaign trail often does not match reality. So what does that mean? Are they lying? Yeah, I think they are. Um, all right. All good. So, friends, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. This is episode 241 of the John Riley Project. I'll be back at you Friday at 2. Have a great time out there, friends. It's uh, June. Um, dads and grads month. So I hope it's a great uh, month for you and your family. See you later, friends. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor, subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog or get more information please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.